Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Messy Truths podcast. This is Mar recording live from Montreal. Yo, diggity yo. This is Nisha, your favorite middle child, hailing from the land of the Kanagahage, passing it down south. And this is Azar, recording live from New York City, but I will be in Canada very shortly, guys. Very, very soon. Yay! It's been a minute. It's been a minute. What? Too long. I've missed you ladies so, so much. The feeling is mutual. Listeners, listen. Um, it's been a while since we've recorded, but we're happy to be back. There's been a lot that's been going on behind the scenes, but we've come together to give you another dope episode of the Messy Truths podcast. And um, our subject today, <laughs> what are we looking at, ladies? Grief. It's my fault, Grief. listeners. It's me. It's me that wants to talk about it. Not your fault. It's okay. Um, so I feel like listeners, I have to be, I'm crunching on crackers, by the way, listeners, but uh, it's me. The reason we fell off is my mom passed in February and I lost my mind. Literally, I lost my mind. I'm just now regaining pieces of my mind. It's still lost somewhere, but I'm getting some of it back. But I thought I can't really think about other things other than grief. So why not talk about the messiness of grief? Because goddamn, it's fucking messy. And oh. first of all, I want to say Eid Mubarak to those of you who are celebrating today. Happy Indigenous Day, because I'm always talking about my Indigenous people. Amen. And the fact that I even realized what day of the week is, is a good thing. Like, there we go. <laughs> Progress. So this is why I told the ladies I want to talk about it, because that's all I do is grief all day long. Yeah. Uh, it's a loaded subject. I think we all kind of were like, yeah, let's talk about it. But <laughs> I don't know if you girls were feeling this way, but I was just like, oh. <laughs> my nerves were like a little oh god what am i what's good what it's what is this gonna trigger you know right i mean it triggers a lot yeah so those of you who are listening to the beginning of the show it's important that you know whatever you need to do to get help resources um we want to give you an alert trigger moment that this is what we're talking about so but i am hoping to find the funny side of it because in the midst of my grief, which, by the way, I live in this dark abyss place, um, I've noticed some funny things that annoy the shit out of me, like the top 10 worst condolence messages. Oh, <laughs> my God. People, get fucking creative. Oh, my God. They're the worst. They're the worst. You want to give us a few examples of that? Yeah, give us some examples. My sister and I have been running a top 10 list. <laughs> Oh and um, the worst ones are the ones that are really generic. Like, we're sorry for your loss. Okay, that's great. Thanks. Um, oh, may you take comfort in their memories. Bitch, do I look oh. like I'm comforted? <laughs> um, please accept our deepest condolences. Like, actually, Facebook generates them for you. Yeah, all they do. And people just mm -hmm. press... And it goes, boom. The best ones I've gotten is, I really don't know what to say. You know what? You're honest. You're mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. You're honest. Like, you don't know what to say. Um, oh, what's the one? Uh, In time, this too shall pass. Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. Like, it's never passing. Like, I was traumatized before she passed, and now I'm even further traumatized. Like, it's not passing. Um. Oh, live in the thoughts of your mother's memories. Ugh. Bro. The, oh, yeah. My sister and I have a list about them. I have to go through the phone and get them. It's hard for other people, uh, depending on their level of empathy mm -hmm. and level of knowledge of pain. Uh, a person who hasn't gone through a lot of pain in life is probably not going to have a lot of, you know, um, more empathetic and authentic words to say. So... And they just, sometimes they just don't know, you know? And so 
Mars being nice, by the way. This is for the no. People it, who are it's shitty. a reality. Like there are a lot of people but out no, there who've but just been what, living in in like la la. But what land are you supposed and, to say? You know, like what exactly are you supposed to say? Because especially if you reality, don't know the person personally, or even if you do, the way you experience grief is different than the way I experience grief than the way Mar experiences yeah. grief. Yes. And Yes, but acknowledgement, I guess in this in this world of social media, acknowledgement is key, right? Most likely people are not just going to like your post and keep it moving a post like that. Right. I mean, that's not a likable post. Right. Like, but but I mean, they will just to acknowledge it. But my, they might say, like, my condolences or I'm so sorry for your loss, because what else can you say? Like, let's the think truth. besides the, I don't know what the to truth. say. Well, what's the, the truth? truth? You know what? Some of the best messages I got. Sabrina, I can't even begin to understand what's going on, but, and I know that you may not even read this, but I'm feeling for you and I got you in my thoughts. That's it. Before okay. my mom died, I had a standard heartful condolence message I would send because like Mar says, it's the empathy letter at, um, level. So I'm not saying I didn't appreciate the condolences. <laughs> But first of all, those, okay, let's talk about another thing. People who call you and expect you to call you back. Oh, no. no. Bro, I can't function. Right. I don't want to talk. Like, there's that talk. too. Like, I don't want to rehash it. I don't want to, I don't want you to ask me questions. Like, and those are the things, right? And that's why it's so unique to each individual because maybe some people do want to talk. Maybe that's the way they get through it. Everybody differently everybody grieves differently right like i went right back to work i couldn't not go back to work that was the way that i survived because i had to do life right because otherwise i feel like i would have been swallowed whole but you know some people take time move. off or right or or or, you know, whatever, however, and that's the thing, like, we kind of have to respect where everybody is at with their grief and words are difficult because it really exactly. depends on where but you're at. I want to tell you about another phenomenon, trauma porn. There are people in your life that when someone passes, they want to hear the gritty details of their death because it's sort of like, it's trauma porn. They enjoy hearing it. I oh, encountered God. a few some of these motherfuckers when my mom died. Like, they wanted God. to hear the story of her death, like the details. Oh, Do you no. understand oh. that when you ask for the details, <laughs> you're actually making the person uh. relive it? Relive like, it. Yeah. And, like, for me, I, I am, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I applaud Oz because you went back to work. As most of you know, I'm a teacher. I haven't seen the kids. School's over. I just went back. Let me look at the date. Eight days ago. I just went back eight days ago, deliberately to avoid the kids. Because the question was, if I was to pop off at a kid because I'm in grief, what are you going to do? How are you going to support me? There's no support for teachers like that. So I said, you know what? Instead of me getting up in a kid's face and being upset or leaving the kid or whatever... I'm just not going back. I'm just well, not you going need, back. I'm not. You needed to take that time for yourself. There's right. different ways in which, like we said, different ways in which people grieve. Yeah. And for but, you, you needed you needed a oh. separation from <laughs> other people. You needed boundaries, essentially. But um, trauma porn. Go ahead, Mar. You go. I, I just wanted to get into the overall like definition of grief. Um I've got here, it says, it may be the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the end of a relationship, or any other change that alters life as you know it. Grief is also very personal. It's not very neat or linear. It doesn't follow any timelines or schedules. You may cry, become angry, withdrawn, or feel empty. None of these things are unusual or wrong. And so Apparently, there were five stages of grief, but then it got expanded to seven in general, <laughs> um, just because of the nuances of each stage. So I'm going to go through just real quickly the seven stages of grief. The first is shock and denial. This is a state of disbelief and numbed feelings. 
The second is pain and guilt. You may feel that the loss is unbearable and that you're making other people's lives harder because of your feelings and needs. The third stage is anger and bargaining. You may lash out telling God or a higher power that you'll do anything they ask if they'll only grant you relief from these feelings or the situation. The next stage is depression. No explanation needed there. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's the upward turn. At this point, the stages of grief, like anger and pain, have died down and you're left in a more calm and relaxed state. Then there's uh, the sixth stage, which is reconstruction and working through. You can begin to put pieces of your life back together and move forward. And then the final stage is acceptance and hope. This is a very gradual acceptance of the new way of life and a feeling of possibility for the future. So those are just the seven stages, and we can get into unhealthy coping mechanisms. (laughs) A little bit later. Well, I'm not in level six, seven, or eight. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, maybe I have a little bit of eight because I can do the show. I remember we did the show immediately, like almost after a couple weeks, we did the show, and I felt like I was having an out of body experience. Um, but I'm definitely not at six, seven, and eight. And it's funny that you define bargaining as taking the feelings away because. I interpreted bargaining as like bargaining with God to bring the person back. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. I think I live in the anger stage quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very much in that stage a lot. And I don't really have hope for reconstruction at this time. I'm hoping that will get better. Um, But I will say one thing that I was obsessed with was not gaining weight. I was very, very conscious of this in grief, Mm, not to gain weight. Yeah. It was a really big thing for me. And I doubled down on the exercise. I doubled down. So that was, uh, that was quite interesting because I was very like, you know what happens, right? You can let yourself go. Shit can hit the fan. And my husband, shout out to Mr. Z would say, you won't shower or eat, but you'll exercise. I was like, what's the problem? So I would not shower, I would not eat, but I would exercise. You know what that is? It's it's trying to exercise some sense of control because Mm -hmm. you've lost control over what you don't have anymore, the very thing that you're grieving over. And you can control your exercise, you can control your weight. You you don't wanna control hygiene or any of these other things, but you do wanna control your weight and you don't want to go back to your physical body as it was before because you realize how much work you've put in to get to where you are today and yeah basically what you're telling us is that i'll be damned if i you know go back to like whatever weight i was before you're not gonna get me on this you know what i mean yeah that's one thing i mean there's other unhealthy things too kudos to you by the way i would say i it was obsessive for me it was like i started boxing and boxing's really been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like beating things up, yeah. <laughs> going with the Good stage outlet. that I'm in. As long and as I, I enjoy spinning. No, I want to hit people too. Um, uh, maybe I've signed up for an amateur league, so maybe Mar will come watch me, listeners, and come watch amateur me. league for what? For boxing. <laughs> we might have to intervene. Yeah, I want to hit people and. Spinning. Spin class, okay. We love spinning. I love spinning. Spinning, uh, I feel like, I don't know, it's some form of like, who knows what tomorrow. But unhealthily, I watch so much reality TV that my husband is trying to put parental controls on the television. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a distraction. Give me all the housewives, the Atlantas, Orange County, Martha's Vineyard. I just absorb them all. Absorb them all. Azar, how did you uh, cope during your periods of grief? I didn't. I just didn't. I don't think I ever fully allowed myself to experience the grief, Mm -hmm. which I'm paying for, by the way. So not suggested. Not recommended. One out of ten. 
stay away from that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like, it's just, I think for me, that was, that was the way that I got through it is that I just didn't fully immerse myself in the experience of grieving my mom. So. Mm-hmm. What about you, Marmar? Well, at the age of 19, I had zero tools <laughs> to understand how to grieve properly. So I did a lot of terrible, uh, terrible things, basically. I lashed out at other people. I went through the bargaining phase, even though I didn't have that you know, name for it at that time, um, where I was just like, God, please just make this pain go away. I promise I'll be a better person. I promise I'll mm. do this. I promise I'll mm-hmm. do that. That was my level of bargaining that I did. And there was also a lot of like risk-taking behavior. That's actually one of the really bad coping coping, coping mechanisms. Give us an example of the least bad. The least bad? Um, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, it's just general risk-taking behavior. I, uh had a boyfriend we broke up and then I got another boyfriend and then I got another guy after that (laughs) Uh, it wasn't like an ongoing thing please don't confuse like that with being uh you know super promiscuous where I've got like I'm juggling like 16 guys at the same time like that was not my story (laughs) that is just one relationship after another overlapping yeah but it, it it was just like and there weren't a whole lot of people, but I'm just saying it was, to me, that was risk-taking behavior, going from being mm. a person in a monogamous relationship to then, like, overlapping <laughs> relationship after relationship with different guys that I was meeting, you know? Um, and then uh, I believe there were many nights out at the club, drinking, there was some social mm. smoking involved. Um, it was just crazy, you know, talk about what's that, uh, the term are, uh, is it Drake or somebody else uses no guidance. That was me. I had no <laughs> guidance. I was, I was running yeah. wild. It was crazy. And I'm glad that phase is over. Um, but just so we have an understanding now about what that, that kind of unhealthy, those kinds of unhealthy behaviors are. Um, one is, uh, again, denial, refusing to acknowledge the loss or grief, risk-taking behavior. This includes <laughs> acting without thought of consequences and acting out through unhealthy relationships. Ding, da, da, ding, ding, ding. I'll take 500. 500, Alex. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I don't, I, one thing, I mean, Oz, I want to get back to what you're saying. Like, you just didn't do it. Um, because I feel it's almost... Even if you don't want to do it, you got like it's gonna do it to you. It's something oh, it's I've realized. Yeah, yeah, that is like, very true. It's like you know, for I had the privilege of being older when my mom passed. I'm 45 now. I mean, either way, the pain is the pain is the pain is the yep. pain. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is that at 45, I had put some things in place already. I was going through pre grief counseling. Prior to my mom's passing, I was setting things up, setting some parameters, almost like, you know, when you have a baby and you put them in the crib so they don't fall out? That Mm -hmm. was me, like trying to set up my landing so that when the shit hit the fan, and it did hit the fan, and I'm still there, I I wasn't damaging myself. And that was, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I think that comes from being a bit older and preparing a bit more. And I'm thankful that I had that kind of common sense going on. It doesn't mean that I don't have any of the behaviors that Miranda's talking, not the boy after boy after boy, because Mr. Z will be like, what the fuck? (laughs) There's no boy after boy. There's one boy. But I mean, I, there's this need for me to feel free. And Mm. I want to, I like to dance and drink and smoke. I really need to dance it out. I'm obsessed with dancing it out. Um, and a form of escapism. Like I, I really, mm-hmm. I'm in that phase now where Mr. Z is like, are you coming home this weekend? Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm literally out just dancing, just looking for a music and music's always been that sort of outlet for all three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's something about just wanting to forget and put the shit on pause for a second and just like, 
Yeah. Man, I just need a break. And so yeah. Oz, I mean, it gets complicated when you don't go through it, right? Well, yeah, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I had a baby. Like, mm, yeah. I think that's when it came crashing. And by the way, I had a baby like a year after she passed. Yes. It wasn't that much time. So it was a year and a half after she passed. And my my baby happened to be born on her birthday. I mean, um, but the crazy part is that, you know, you, Mar mentioned that it's not linear. And I still have... I still can be in the angry phase. And I know this, not because I am conscious of it, but because when I dream of my mom, in my dream, I, I'm very angry at her. Mm. Very angry at her. Every time. And it's more of, and it's weird that it's directed towards her because in my dream, I'm constantly asking her, well, why are you not here? Why? Like, I get it. You said you were sick. You were sick. Fine. When you were sick, that was an excuse. But look, you're in my dream and you're not sick. So why aren't you here with me? Mm. And why aren't you here for me? Like, don't mm. you know that I need you? And so it's funny because I feel bad about those dreams because obviously I don't feel that way towards my mother, at least not that I know of. Right. But that's that's that shit. <laughs> like yeah. when you don't deal with it right it stays with you and it comes out in different you're ways. absolutely yeah. right about that because i i'm so glad you mentioned the the ongoing issues with anger because that was me too instead of uh my mother died the first week of my first semester of university oh yeah yeah so the boyfriend I was with at the time said, you know, you probably should take some time off. And I was like, no, what, why am I going to do that? I'm going to stay at home and sulk and, and, and like cry over this. Like I got to keep going. Yeah. I, I took out student mm -hmm. loans. I have bursaries. Like I have to make a go of this because one, I don't have a father and my family is poor and we do not have the financial resources to get me through school. So here are some resources and I need to make the most of this. And I tried to push myself and push myself until the point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. I ended up on academic probation. And that was where things really started to get out of control. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take a year off and just deal with everything. But then you don't deal with it. And it manifests itself in, again, those unhealthy um, coping mechanisms that you know goes on for years and years and years. And I thought that I had dealt with anger regarding a lot of loss that I experienced in, in, you know, my twenties and even younger than that. And I hadn't, unlike you, Oz, it just, it's amazing how certain incidents, a dream or something someone says, or an incident that you see someone else going through ends up triggering mm. that in you and you end up emotional and you're just like, I don't understand why, <laughs> why am I dealing with this? You know, why is it coming up now? And it's because you didn't deal with it properly yeah. the first time around. Yeah, but to be fair, I don't know. I don't know if you can deal with grief properly. I'm not the poster child of dealing with grief properly. I just, I actually had the two of you to lean on and to be like, okay, Nish, you're about to go through some hard shit, right? So I don't know if I, I deal with grief properly. I, I just try to keep it. Nisha, like I try to keep it by ethical. properly, by properly though, I mean actually shoring up on emotional, psychological, spiritual, you know, support, mm. having a strong support system. Mm. This is one thing I, I completely commend you on, Nisha, because you had resources in place to help you. It may not have been, you may not have been like, you know, they may not have been perfect or 100% supporting, supportive. But there was something there, at least, to help cushion part of your your fall. And even afterwards, you know, you may you're dealing with so much, you know, family members and other Love types it. of drama going on. And thank God you have those, you know, those psychological resources there and friends and family who are sane and can give you that support. It means it means a lot. And the the other the other unhealthy um coping mechanisms with regard to grief include substance abuse mm. you know um and over or under eating using food as a, a tool to numb or distract and then there's also obsessing or controlling and so again you can't control the loss 
So you try to control other things. Absolutely. You know? I mean, if I, if I had some recommendations for people, um, I, yeah, I would say put some things in place. Uh, let, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Like, yo, what you, resources you should have ready to go. For how yourself? would you write a fucking will? How about that? How about we just start there? Like, thanks. My mom was very thorough. We call her the warden on the show. So she was very thorough. Like there was no, um, there was no room for interpretation of my mother's wishes because Mm -hmm. my mother was very clear. uh, Yeah. You can talk to my daughter, not her husband. Sorry. Not my brothers, not her grand, my mother, my grandmother. It was you talk to my daughter. And my mother had put things in place down to her bank account, her will, her insurances. She was very crystal clear about this. Mm -hmm. But when I see other people, that's almost the first piece of advice I have for them. Get your shit in order. Because as much as people love you, hi. (laughs) When someone dies, it's like some sort of kryptonite happens and the worst versions of yourself come out of the woodworks. The worst version. And I I really thought I could skirt around that. It's almost like part of the grief process. People, and I think it comes from the fact that people want to hold on to the person or a piece of the person. And they feel like this is the way of doing it. And it's not. And I, you know, I, I really implore people Find out in your state or your country what it has to be. In Quebec, you can handwrite your will, your wishes. This is really important. For me, what I sought out right from the beginning when my mother's diagnosis was um, counseling, right? Right away mm-hmm. because, because I wanted to talk to somebody because you can't burden other people with your feelings and thoughts. You want to have a professional to do that. But it also comes down to if it's accessible and available financially. So you've got to find other places to find where you can get those free services, groups, Facebook groups, whatever. But, Mm -hmm. oh my God, please, people, please sort your shit out. Even if you don't think you have anything to leave, how about you just happen to help out your loved ones who are living after you? Like, figure out that stuff. Really figure out that stuff because... I'm a very clever and smart person and my mother was very thorough. And for the most part, everything went very smoothly for the most part. I mean, there was no um, drama because my mother had set me in charge where the drama occurred Mm -hmm. was um, everybody has a whole vision of what they think should happen. And when you're the only person in charge, this is when things shit hits the fan, right? Shit hits. Yeah. I think that's a really important point for people to understand that, um, you know, you as a person who might foresee the end, <laughs> uh, it's really important to communicate what your plans are, not just to yeah. the person who's the power of attorney, but to everybody, because other people have expectations of what's going to happen after you pass, but you have your own expectations. And if that is not communicated to to those people who are going to be left behind after you're gone, then it it turns out to be a mess. So it's really important to communicate to family members, to friends, I'm leaving so-and-so in charge. I would like these plans to be made with regard to what to do with my body, donate it to science or, you know, cremate me or give me an elaborate funeral, New Orleans style, whatever, you know, sort it out. Um, yeah, you you need yeah. to communicate that because people are kind of left in shambles and trying to figure out, you know, and and there's always one person that's going to be lingering and thinking that they're the boss and that they're yeah. going to plan everything and it's or like, they no, could no, have no, done no, no. it better or yeah because I think what it comes down to is that people really think they really want to hold on, you know, they're trying to control. Right. They're trying. Well, yeah, I, I I'm trying to give them some grace and say they're trying to hold on to something. Um, but in my case, my mother put everything in my hands. I mean, physically and like resource wise, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when she was coming to the end, she gave me the password. She gave me the keys to the house, the jewelry. She was thorough. She was the warden right to the end, right to the end. And Mm -hmm. she made sure like it was, yeah, it was serious. 
I remember the last day that she could really talk. She's like, this is my passcode. This is my bank code. Here's the keys to the house. And I said, what about her husband? She's like, what about it? Like, you're my daughter. <laughs> like, that's the end of the story. And I really had full authority. But it does come with its drama. And, and had she not yeah, had something in place, um, you know, we would have had some fights. And there was already fights. But the fights were minimized right. to little fights as opposed to big Scotian fights. But <laughs> I will talk about um, grief partying. So Mar talked about it. I went to the DR for a week. And I suggest everybody, okay, save your pennies and go somewhere for a week. I pretty much don't remember much that happened. So I guess there was a lot of bad behavior going on there. Um, but yeah, I went on a trip and I probably drank from Sunday to Sunday. So much so that my bald head ended up having spores because I drank so much that my my head was releasing the toxins from the alcohol. Oh my goodness! What? That I, oh. your, your girl was really like shaking her ass. Like my theme song was "Watch Yourself, Shake Your Ass." Like I was listening to it every day, <laughs> and that's what I did. I had like a bathing suit per day, a drink in two hands, sunscreen, a hat, and that's all I did was shake my ass for a week. Wow. And for a moment, you get to forget that your whole life is in shambles. So I suggest to everyone, find yourself a summer house, an Airbnb, go to a friend's house, shake your ass. You need to do something. <laughs> My recommendation to the listeners is to make sure that you get therapy. I, we've said it here before. It's nothing new. Um, but you really do need therapy. And don't wait. And if you can't get therapy, if you can't afford it financially, um, there are uh, resources out there that will allow you to, to pay for services pay for on better help. On, yeah, on a on a low income level, um, so you can get therapy at a reduced price. I know that here in Quebec we have um, clinics that will allow you to get service for free, and you may be limited in the number of sessions that you receive, but still. Six sessions is better than nothing. And, get, and try to combine them, right, Mar? Try to combine yeah. them. If you can get it through work, if you get it from Medicare, get a really supportive doctor. Yes. Use health insurance. Use whatever you can to get that psychological help. And also, don't, um, don't dismiss the power of counseling through religious institutions. Sometimes you don't even have to be a member. You can go in yeah. there. And see a pastor, a rabbi, yeah, a reverend, true. a priest, whoever, and get um, assistance that way. And that you, nobody's saying you have to attend service. Maybe attend one or two, but you, that is a great way to get free um, counseling. And I would also say don't uh, underestimate the power of self-help books. There are a lot on the market. Um, I found a few in between periods where I couldn't afford therapy myself after I lost my mother. Um, and it was so, so important to me to have those books because I was a 20 something year old young woman with no, with very little income, a huge amount of student loans and other debt that I had to pay for. And when I was in between therapy sessions, self-help books actually um, really were, 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 a godsend for me really in between those times. So again, don't underestimate the power of, of literature that can assist you. Yeah. You know? Well, listen, I mean, you know, even if you can't, like you don't want to journal or you don't want to share your thoughts, there are other ways like, you know, <clears throat> what you were talking about the religious institutions, but there's also community resources that you can mm -hmm. go to. There's group counseling. And sometimes it's good to speak to other people who've experienced um, loss just to, just to kind of feel sane and just to be able to speak about it without, you know, like Nisha was saying, burdening mm -hmm. the people who are close to you or, you know, I feel like if you've been through an experience, you're more open to talk about it and know how to handle that information. Yeah. As opposed to. But one thing I will suggest is to get through the feelings. Feel the feelings because a lot of us tend yeah. to just repress and, 
you know, feel like we can just overcome it all and just not acknowledge it. It's almost like pretend that it's not there Mm -hmm. or like just fight it. And what do they say? You can't go over it. You can't get under it. You got to get through it. You got to go through it. Like, no, you're, there is another side, right? And like, we talk about one of my experiences has been, and it's something that Nisha has asked me and I have said to her is that to me, the intensity of the pain doesn't get less but the frequency of it does, right? As Mm -hmm. time goes by, when I think about the loss of my mom, it hurts, it hurts deep. It hurts like it's breathtaking, the pain, but I don't feel it as often as I did right after she passed away. And as time goes on, I've learned to live with this notion of her not being a part of this world, right? Um, And sometimes grief is weird because I don't know about you, Mar, but Sometimes I think to myself, do I not think of her enough? Do I, you know, ah. like, do I still remember her? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a feeling do I still of guilt. Remember like, her? I'm a terrible yes, daughter yes. because I'm not thinking of you as often as I think a daughter should. And it's, yes. it's that's normal because that, in a way, it's um, it's like evidence of life moving forward. It's you moving through right. it. And like you yeah. said, when the pain and the anger comes back, it's not that it's less intensified. It can be, but it still yeah. exists. It's just fewer incidents of, of that happening. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, that's been my experience. Like so. we said, with regard to anger, it pops up in different you know, areas of the journey, right? And that's the same thing with guilt too. You think, I I remember yeah. I used to think about like, initially when my mother passed away, I thought about, oh my God, like I should have been nicer to her when <laughs> when she was, you know, before we even knew what was going on that she had cancer yeah. or anything. And then later on, it was like, oh, I wish I had spent more time with her. And I, you reflect on the fact that like you're a teenager and all teenagers don't want to hang out with their parents very much when when they're young, right. right? So you think about those moments and how you could have spent more time. And then also, let's not forget about the moments in life, milestones that end up triggering memories of mother, daughter, or any kind of uh, grief or, or, you know, with regard to that loss. Um, getting married, you Weddings. know. Weddings, weddings, yeah, weddings are are a big trigger, and I know mine was for me, especially on the other side of the parental spectrum, which was the fact that I was kind of angry about the fact that I don't even have a relationship with my own father, and I can't. Mm -hmm. I feel I felt angry when my mother passed away at him, but then I felt angry again when I was when I was ready to walk down the aisle because I thought I don't even have this person in my life to like be the support system that I need, you know, like you're, you're supposed to walk me down the aisle and impart some Uh sort of wisdom and be a part of my life and screen the guy that is, is proposed, has proposed to me. And there was anger that came up about that, you know? And so it's just, it's just really interesting how emotions really mess with you. And it's true. You really do have to get through it. Like my suggestion, and I know this is, <laughs> it's probably going to sound like really terrible is that when you're feeling horrible and those moments of depression or, um, you know, just intense sadness ends up coming on, don't hide from it, you know, like. Put yourself in your room, throw on whatever music you need to, and just let it out. Try it out. out. Let it out. (laughs) It's a great thing after a relationship and crying and letting out things after after any kind of loss is huge. It's really, really huge. Do you have to cry? It truly is. You need to cry. You need to let out all those emotions. It's it's super important to make sure or scream or whatever. Do what I do. do. Scream whatever it takes. You know, just don't 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 like drown yourself in alcohol. What? (laughs) Don't don't stay there. If you do it, that's fine. But don't stay there. You should have told me that earlier. You you didn't stay there. You came back. You came okay, back. Okay, we're on air. We'll go with you that. You know? 
And <laughs> escaping in relationship after relationship is good for a little bit. It's not even really a committed relationship or it could be, you know, good for now relationship. Good don't for now? <laughs> okay. Yeah, can, can don't we stay bring, there because can, that is dangerous too. So it's interesting because right after my mom died, I did not want to hear her voice. Oh. And I did not want to smell her perfume. Mm. I didn't want to be, but basically because I just didn't go through the feelings of grief, right? Like I was avoiding anything that would remind me of her, like anything that would touch my senses in a way that I couldn't control, like not my thoughts I can control, but if, if my olfactory senses get a whiff of my, her perfume, I'm fucked, right? Like if I, if I hear her voice, there's no stopping it. So those were the things I would avoid. And I find myself 15 years later, as of this month, like looking for that, like almost trying to remember what her voice sounded like, looking for messages that she may have sent me, you know, emails, G chats, whatever we would communicate by. And it's, it's just, I remember that resistance to it. Like I was absolutely like, no, 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 no. Not interested. Don't like, don't give that to me. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I don't want to see. I don't want to smell like keep it away. And now I see, I find myself like looking for that. Well, I'm the complete opposite. I submerged myself. Like it's, again, I'm trying to make it a little bit funny and it's not funny, but Mr. Z is like, if you don't take off these pajamas of your mother's, it's not sexy. Babe. <laughs> I, I can't get enough. Like I, it's so bad. Like it's so, it's not so bad. It's just how I'm coping. I, ca I have her phone line on. I pay the phone bill because the voicemail, I can hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. important. I read our texts. I tend not to do it now because it is a trigger, Oz. It is. It will, oh. it will create. And I want to talk about the health benefits of going to grief therapy and sorting it out because there are some unhealthy benefits that can actually realistically kill you. But um, I have her colognes. I have her lipstick. I have her clothes. Um, it's, it, it's very comforting. At one point, I just recently, and so those of you who are doing this don't feel bad, I just recently stopped sleeping with her pillow. Recently. Like, hmm. oh. the pillow that she died on, oh, I took it home. Oh, I can do it. Talk and, about it. And my oh. husband is like, so there's someone else in the bed. <laughs> And for a long time, no. he wouldn't say anything to me. You know, Mr. Z already, he wouldn't say anything to me. And then four months came and he was like, babe, like, is the pillow going to stay forever? <laughs> right? And I was like, oh. what do you mean is the pillow staying forever? It's staying forever and ever. And he's like, no, babe, like the pajamas, the, the pillow, you, you know, you got to, you got to move. That's so interesting. So you're, really you're hanging on to... Every, all of the yeah. intangible elements of your mother and i got a whiff <laughs> i had i got hit with my, with the smell of my mother uh when we were going through her things um after she passed away and when that smell hit my nose oh my god was it not good that was oh it was an awful feeling for me it was not good awful. it i i me relished too. it initially but then afterwards i was like no 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 this is bringing back too much and i actually tried to pack up as many things as possible and tried to get away from things and this is why i didn't really save a lot of items do you regret that, my that? Mother had no it it happened and that's the way that I was coping at that yeah, time. Um, but one thing yeah. that I found that was really interesting was my mother had kept the card that she received after my birth at the Montreal General oh, Hospital. So and it had my weight, it had my birthday, it had the time, the exact time I was born. She kept that card that's all cute. those years. I, and I still yeah. have it today. I think it depends. So I think for viewers listening, I, I tend to think the loss of a mother is monumental, epic. And then someone corrected me and said, it's the loss of the parent that you're closest to. And for me, it was my mom. Um, I mean, I said some really mean things to my dad. Well, my dad said them too. So it's an even score there. But well, he said when my mom was passing and she was active dying, 
he's like, I know that this is not the parent that you want to be dying. And I said, yeah, you're right. Oh, it's that's it's facts. I said to my mom, you're going to leave me with my father. <laughs> that's what I said to her. Um, but I can't, I can't get enough. Like I wear her chain, as you can see. Um, I, I don't like her perfume, so I don't really spray it, <laughs> but we have a lot of things in common. We both like Mac makeup. Um, but Mr. Z is like, bro, like <laughs> he, he's just <laughs> at one point he was hiding the pajamas, but you know what, to be fair. And then I want to shout out the spouses. Or the people who take care of you in grief. Because it's not easy for mm -hmm. them. It's really not. It's really not no. easy for them. Whether it's dealing with your newborn baby, Azar. Or, you know, dealing with your family. Mar it's not easy. And and I have to give him just a 30-second shout-out to him. Because this is a man who picked me up out of the shower. Who showered me. Who tricked me into eating. Aww. I mean, tricked me too. Tricked me into eating. Um, and I wouldn't even eat Weetabix. So you know how much I talk about Weetabix. I love Weetabix. I wouldn't eat, um, tricked me into drinking water, um, slept, stayed by the door at night. So I wouldn't escape. I had a desire to go back to my parents' house every night. I didn't want to be at home. I would pace at night very badly. And he just, he just, he just dealt with it. He carried me through. He literally loved me through all of it. So I have to give him his props. Um, because he doesn't question any decision I make, anything. If I want to tattoo my mom's thumbprint on me, he's like, oh, well, first of all, he couldn't say anything to me anyways, to be fair, but he didn't say anything. If I want to wear her chain, her pajamas, sleep with the pillow, wrap myself in the blankets, nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's only now where he's being like, you know, sexy time is not really sexy when you're in your mother-in-law's pajamas. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an important point, you know, as we kind of like end things off on the show is you got to really be careful um, to not memorialize the, you know, death and the loss itself. Like, I, I understand you want to keep a few, um, you know, sentimental items and so forth, but you really don't want to get lost in memorializing because then it's like, you're not really ever moving forward in a healthy way. That's actually you know, it's called really, complicated grief and it's it, a real it thing is real. and it happens to people. Yeah. And um, it's, it's also I just right before we go become, become hoarders yeah. and so forth. I'm a hoarder. Oh yeah. And it's funny because one of the things that we thought is that my father was going through that because of the shrine that became the house mm -hmm. once my mom died and us trying to take her clothes and him, being very resistant to anything being moved or touched or changed. Um, and today, I don't know if that was just the beginnings of the dementia or complicated grief that he was going through, because it could have been either or, but it or is, both. it's tricky. So there's a fine line. There is. Right? And, yeah. and a couple of positive highlights. I do think I have that. My husband has been warning me about my shrining process. Um, and I'm hoping that's just where I'm at at this time. That's what I'm hoping. That's just where I'm at at this time. I don't know if I'll move away from it, but that's where I'm at at this time. And I just want to end on a positive note that, can I just say, you don't have to fucking do anything with anybody you fucking want. Like, let's be very clear about something. People have expectations from you. The only thing you have to do is stay healthy and well and take care of yourself. That's it. Whoever wants something from you, too bad, they can wait. They can wait. They can wait. And that's the and one thing. They can wait. Only you matter. I don't care. And by the way, I want to extend that to every time at any point in your life. You don't have to be grieving or anything. Amen. Like, that's so 2023, yeah. right? Like, we do you. Do you. You first. Self-care. That's it. It's really, Period. really important. It's the one thing that I learned there was like a shroud that opened up and I was like, God damn, I'm 45. And whatever you want from me, I don't have to give it. Whatever you expect from me, I don't have to give it. So mm -hmm. I, I only, I live for myself and I take care of my husband. That's the only two things that I'm 
dealing with and grief is is complicated and it's not linear and it's not easy and we're not just talking about our mothers today anything that requires an emotional response from Mm -hmm. you take care of yourself i mean grief can cause heart attacks it can provoke cancer itself i was going through a heart test myself right at the beginning the doctor was worried about me i was so deep in it but if i'm talking to you coming on five months later, that's a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And don't be so hard on yourself. I I try to remind myself Mm -hmm. every day not to be so hard on myself. But that's why I wanted to talk about it because it's messy and it's human and it's complex. And, you know, we all experience it. But don't fucking text, please accept my condolences. Find (laughs) something meaningful to text, okay? We can't. We can't echo enough how much self-care is uh, really key in these moments. And I just want to say that um, there are going to be some even shittier times ahead. Sorry to say it, but it's true. Uh, There are some people who go through loss and then they have another loss and then another loss hits right after. And, it, you know, it's like it's really, really horrible for some people. So, you know, one loss may not be it. You might be going through a bit of an extended season of chronic stress and trauma. Um, Again, this is the reason why we bang on about self-care and therapy and getting shoring up on anything that is necessary to help support your psychological, your emotional, your mental, your physical health. Because you need to be ready and prepared for the bounce back and, you know, moving on and for any other thing that life hits you. But the the one thing I want to say and end off with is that you're not alone nope. and you will get through it. You, you totally will. Humans are so resilient. You have no idea how tough you are and how incredibly strong you are able um, in moments of adversity. I, I'm living proof of that. All of us are living proof of that. So I just hope that, um, you know, all the listeners will remember that it's, it's a season. It's not going to last forever. It's a season and you just need to take care of yourself and know that (laughs) there's no right or wrong way to grieve. You're just grieving and you got to go through it. But in the end, you will come out on the other side, much stronger and hopefully much healthier as well and we're here we're back absolutely no all right bad texts. <laughs> no bad text messages yeah we'll, please we'll, we'll try please. to remember that <laughs> so listeners we want to thank you for joining us absolutely. on this episode of the messy truths podcast and we hope you will listen again um hopefully we will be back with another episode very soon and um yeah we'll see thanks you soon. for listening Peace, y'all. Peace. Peace.